Hi, Arlen. Um, Dragon Heresy. I, I think Cole would have just passed on by that. I, I'm starting to play some more 5e again, and I wasn't really looking for other systems. But sounds like there's so much richness to Doug's design. It's something I'm going to have to take a closer look at, especially if it's got quite a strong economy going there. One of my pet peeves is funny equipment lists that don't make much sense and don't really get the flavour I'm after. So I'm going to, like I say, I'm going to investigate more and delve into it. But thanks for the heads up and it's um, given me some inspiration. Take care. I'll catch you later. Hi, I'm Arlen Walker and I am live from Pelham's Wasteland and today we're going to talk about a couple of things. The big one is that I ran the very first session of a Dragon Heresy short campaign, mini campaign. I'm not entirely sure what to call it. Um, Dragon Heresy, like I mentioned, only goes up to five levels, so it's not um, perhaps not as suited for super long-term play, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I ran the first episode last night or the first session last night and, um, it was a lot of fun. And so I'm going to talk about it and I'm probably going to talk about some other stuff too, stuff that just kind of comes to mind and I feel like is worth sharing. So, uh, let's get into it. So we played the very first session of Dragon Heresy last night. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I had three players out of, I think six who have expressed interest and the other guys hopefully will be able to play next session. So I think, I think six will work for the the full party and all that sort of stuff. Um, it might end up being five. I'm not entirely sure. Who knows with, with online play, obviously there's, um, flakes and dropouts and all sorts of stuff and i might even end up putting out another call for players um if nobody else shows up um but yeah a couple more players is the plan um and it was fun we spent about an hour on character creation um it took a little longer than i expected just because um I kind of assumed that everybody was going to be familiar with 5e just because it's sort of such a default. And um, I don't think, I think one of the guys was pretty familiar with 5e, but um, the other two guys weren't as much. Um, and so he was, the one guy was able to to kind of do it himself mostly, but I had to sort of walk the other guys through it a little bit more. Um and that's not not entirely fair. That's that's on me. That's my assumptions about what people would know and what people would get just pick up automatically um, versus the the game itself. Especially one of the the guys is a, a Pacific Time player or um, West Coast player, so he had just gotten back from work and hadn't gotten a chance to look at the rule book at all and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it was you know dropping a lot on him and I didn't necessarily do the best job of kind of shepherding everybody through character creation um, the way I should, partly because I wanted to get into the sort of cool stuff about dragon heresy and sort of talk about like, Hey, this is the really interesting stuff in this game. Um, You know, more excited to talk about that than the kind of nitty gritty details of character creation. But 
it was still fun. Um, and character creation taking an hour is not a um, big problem. It seems like that's, you know, pretty acceptable in terms of character creation time. Character creation that takes a whole lot longer than an hour for a group seems to me to be kind of pushing it. Um, obviously, different players will have different tolerance for the the details of character creation but some games well and and some games i think um it depends on if you sort of know ahead of time what you want to do versus if you have to go looking i think about um a, a pathfinder one session that i was in for the kind of session it was character creation and session one stuff together and i felt um kind of lost i i didn't really know i didn't really have like a plan in mind for my character and so i sort of felt like and pathfinder one there's so much material that i feel like you kind of have to have a plan in mind and you know go looking for the specific thing rather than you can't just you can't really just sort of like you know scroll through the PDF and say, Oh, that looks cool. Oh, that looks cool. And kind of put it together that way. I feel like anyway. Um, but, uh, 5e is a, a much less complicated game than Pathfinder one. Um, and so character creation worked out. All right. Um, it's still 5e, so as level 1 characters, their proficiency bonus is only plus 2, so they're not getting a big bonus on any of the stuff that they're supposed to be particularly good at, although plus 2 is, you know, plus 2 is 10% chance on a d20. Um, so it's a bonus. It goes back to kind of, I think, one of the the sort of common complaints about 5e is that characters don't feel like they're really good at the stuff that they're supposed to be good at. Um, at least not until particularly high levels um, that the stat bonuses matter a lot more than the proficiency bonus and stuff like that. And I think that's a, I don't know about that. Um, we're going to have to see how it plays out. Um, anyway, after character creation, what the guys did was basically I said, okay, you're in a tavern. Let's talk about kind of your character and why you're here in Isfial, the the sort of home base town for the region, um, and told them a little bit about the town and then sort of said, okay, and so you're here. And then this guy comes into the bar and he asks the barkeep something and barkeep points to you guys. And it becomes clear that he's looking for armed adventurers who can go do some, some questing. And he's going to be their sort of quest giver NPC for the, the mini campaign. Um, Gary off the, the tier Paladin of Tear. Uh, Paladin isn't actually a class in Dragon Heresy, but he's he's basically a. I don't know if he's he doesn't have combat stats, so I don't know if he's a fighter or a cleric. But he's a he's a tough guy. I think in Dragon Heresy, the idea for a paladin would be a cleric of the domain of war. Gets a lot of the proficiencies for um, combat stuff. Or gets to add, gets to be proficient in a lot of combat stuff, and so they're sort of the 
closest thing to a paladin. Um, but it's a more kind of Viking era setup. So there's not really a, a knight in shining armor class. Makes sense. Um, anyway, um, so what I told them was that basically there's this town about two years ago. People stopped coming and it's in ruins now and nobody is quite sure why. So he wants you to go out and investigate the town and figure out if there's signs of the undead around. Undead in particular, but anything weird, anything strange, basically whatever killed off this uh, this walled town. Um, he wants you to go and figure out what's what's going on. And then the rest of the situation, the rest of the session was just buying stuff because um, it's about a day and a half to the ruins of this town, a day and a half back. They negotiated up the, the gold uh, a little bit. Um, and then they bought gear and... Um, it was really cool to see the players kind of thinking about gear and stuff. They didn't have – one of the things that I like about Dragon Heresy is that you don't have a whole lot of gold relative to the cost of durable gear. But you do have a fair bit of gold relative to the cost of expendables um, because of the way that the pricing works out. Um, buying a sword – and it makes sense for – a relatively part of the idea is that Torengar, the the kingdom that all this is set in, is relatively metal poor. Um, not hugely so, but um, they just don't have the kind of constant resources. So, for instance, a spear costs quite a bit less than a sword because a spear is a um, you know, it only has the the metal head, and then the shaft is wood. Um, and so the idea being that okay, so that's that makes sense why a spear would cost a lot less, and that historically was fairly true. That uh, you know, spears are sort of the default weapon for poor infantry in um, dark ages and medieval times because they're relatively cheap and they're effective. A spear and a shield is a very effective combination. And in fact, in a lot of societies, the sword was sort of used as a, a sidearm, not necessarily as the main weapon, um, because the spear and the shield was so effective, and that was sort of the standard. Anyway, um, to to get into it, basically, they um, we adjusted water skins a little bit so that water skins would hold a gallon each. Um, and therefore be eight pounds each for the, the same cost. Um, but they bought rations and water skins. And luckily they had a draft horse that they could put gear on. Um, the, the fighter ended up with quite a bit of gold, something like 60 gold, um, which ends up being quite a bit relative to non-durable items. But like I said, it wasn't enough to like buy heavier armor or anything like that, which I like. I like um, the I like the price list in Dragon Heresy quite a bit, the way that durable um, gear. And in the adventure, in fact, one of the things that it says is that the merchants of Isfial, Isfial is this um, 
kind of a, a boom bust town during the summer, it booms and during the winter it busts. Um, but there are a lot of merchants and what they want to sell is not the, the cheap kind of standard shit in the, the handbook. What they want to sell is ornate and particularly well-crafted stuff that costs quite a bit more. Um, which, I think is a really good way. It's a good balance between the idea. There's like a, a comic that got mentioned um, where the idea is, you know, somebody in town cries out adventures are coming and everybody is, you know, putting, you know, plus 300% cost for all the items in the shop because the adventures will have gold to burn. And the, the, the way that inflation actually works Especially if you have, you know, adventures coming back with a thousand GP, if that is a lot of money in your world, then, um, you know, things are going to inflate with that, that especially in like a small town kind of base there, the adventurers are operating from that's going to fuck with, oh, sorry, that's going to mess with the, um, the prices of gear and all the sort of stuff that adventures need. Um, and then at the other end, there's the kind of, you know, everything costs what it says in the book on the table and you can just uh, get whatever you ask for. I like the idea of this balance that, you know, they want to sell you the ornate shield. They have the sort of plain shields in the back that you can buy if you ask for them. But what the merchant wants to sell you is, glitzed out and special and it's it's cool and it's it's costs quite a bit more than the standard shield so yeah um is good it's uh it's a good the the lost hall of tear i've now read the whole book and it's a, a quality adventure there's several dungeons to it um, and a whole wilderness adventure section that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm thinking, so I had this idea. I'm going to pause the recording here, and then I'm going to come back and talk about my ideas for other things to do with Dragon Heresy and with um, Lost Hall of Tear and my kind of plans for the future. So what I'm thinking, I have this idea that depending on how Dragon Heresy goes... Um, apparently the Lost Hall of Tear and um, there's a dungeon fantasy version of it too, were both of those or the, the kind of storyline was originally written as a convention one shot. Um, and so I'm thinking about how could I adapt this module that seems to me to be built for, you know, a couple of sessions of kind of sandboxy play or semi sandboxy play. How could I adapt it into a one shot? And I think I have some good ideas, some stuff that you could cut out pretty easily and, um, not, uh, not really lose too much. Um, and you could especially do a lot of things like roll encounters ahead of time to prep for them and kind of plan out the whole, adventure thing um in which case i think it might be fun depending on how dragon heresy works 
Um, I have been doing, I, so last year I ran a sort of three part campaign of the one ring for, um, some friends. And then I ran, um, Paladin Wars of Charlemagne twice going through the battle of Roncevau also for friends. So I'm thinking that maybe the thing to do, one of the things to do with Dragon Heresy is that I could um, keep going with this kind of mini campaign and play through basically all the content that's in Lost Hall of Tear. And from there, basically say, okay, now I'm going to cut it way down, get it down to a single four-hour session um, with just the highlights, basically, and run it for um, some of my friends, um, maybe even. I like, so uh, for those of you who don't know, I play a ton of games with um, Kevin Madison, the Dungeon Muser of the Dungeon Musings YouTube channel. Um, and I, I really like playing games with him. I, uh, I personally feel like running games is a lot of work and I'd like to kind of, um, I like the idea of kind of giving back by running games for him and some of the other guys that play in, um, in those, uh, games as well, which is sort of what I've been doing, um, with the one ring and with, Paladin Warriors of Charlemagne. He didn't actually get to play in Paladin. And then I have um, coming up my Beowulf Pendragon game that is actually this Saturday. Um, and I think we're going to stream it live and you should uh, check it out live Saturday afternoon or go and watch it some at some later date on YouTube, assuming that it all comes together and we get to play. Um, yeah. It uh, so I'm thinking that Dragon Heresy might be a good, um, a good thing to do that similar sort of thing with. And I need to what I want to do, my sort of idea, and I need to talk to Kevin about this is that it would be cool to do like once a month any of the people who are playing first come first served for players in. Uh, Dungeon Musings games can just hop in and play in one of my games because they're all my friends now since I play with all of them um, and just sort of put that as a sort of regular thing. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to that might not work with everybody's schedule one Saturday a month um, for four hours is seems to me like not a whole lot of time, but I, I totally get that it adds up for people. Um, and I, I want to be accommodating and, uh, certainly don't want it to feel like a chore that people have to attend my game sessions, but I've got this idea, um, that dragon heresy could work for a one shot, um, one off kind of, there's some other, I've got some ideas of adapting some stuff from the Eddas too, um, because there's a, you know, very strong Viking influence in um, Dragon Heresy that, you know, 
Edda's material would totally work for um, for this uh, world, for this um, system, and all that sort of stuff. So that's another idea: is that I could take one of the stories from either the 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 poetic or prose. I don't remember how many. I think there there's the poetic and prose, and one of them is the elder. I don't. I don't remember. It's been a while since I read any of the Eddas, um, but that I could reread them and adapt a story from them and do something really cool. Um, basically. Ooh, that's another. Hmm. <laughs> I could take a an adventure written for fate of the norns, which is a system that I just can't rock. And I don't think it would play well online because it has to do with like putting rune stones on a play mat, different places and all that sort of stuff. But I could take an adventure from it and adapt it to dragon heresy pretty easily and get that kind of Nordic Viking feel um, and not have to and do the adaptation, but not necessarily do all of the the stuff. I don't know. This this all ideas and it's all kind of out there. It wouldn't be until like the beginning of March at the earliest that I do anything like that. But um, if we're playing Dragon Heresy every Tuesday by the beginning of March, I may have gotten through most of the material in Lost Hall of Tear, in which case it would that would be a good point to start kind of saying, okay, what could I cut out and cut down and turn into a convention one shot, um, which would be a lot of fun. There's also a dungeon fantasy version. And um, I do not have the dungeon fantasy box set or the PDFs. Um, it's been sitting on my Amazon wish list for a while, so I will probably end up getting it. Um, my buddy Kevin says that you need to be really into GURPS to play Dungeon Fantasy, or you, you have to have a strong grasp of the system to play Dungeon Fantasy. Um, I don't know. That's probably true. Um, or rather, I do think that is true. I think there's probably some mitigating factors that you could do, um, but I am not an expert in GURPS, so it seems unlikely that I would use Dungeon Fantasy. seems like Dragon Heresy works pretty well, or everything I've read suggested it works pretty well. We haven't done a combat yet, which is kind of the big thing. Uh, a lot of the special rules are built around combat. So... Um, I don't know how it's going to actually work in combat. We're going to have to see if it slows down too much with the vigor and the hit stuff. Um, if it's, you know, I don't know. We're, we're going to have to see how it works in combat before I firm up any plans. But, um, yeah, it would be a... Uh, I think Dragon Heresy would be a fun thing to run for the guys in addition to my group that I put together for Tuesday nights. And one of the things that was really cool is after the session of Dragon Heresy, we kind of 
sat around and chatted for a while and talked in particular a fair bit about kind of realism in combat. And um, I may have converted another person to Blade of the Iron Throne, or at least I, I sent him the PDF for Blade of the Iron Throne so that he can read it. And we'll see what he thinks um, when I play next Tuesday. I will make sure to ask him about it. But that's another thing. Assuming that um, this Tuesday group works out kind of longer term, that might be a really fun thing to try out too. So I don't know. Um, I've got lots of plans, lots of ideas, lots of stuff floating around in my mind. Um, my Dragon Heresy introductory set rulebook in physical version has not arrived yet, but it is coming which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know when it's going to get here, but when it does, I will do an unboxing probably and be like, oh, who could have guessed? It's Dragon Heresy. I have a couple things coming because I've got Honor and Intrigue from Lulu, and I think I have something from DriveThruRPG. I've gotten gotten a couple of game books recently. Um, I got Space pretty recently. And in fact, I think I'm going to talk about a little bit about Space. No. Yes, I am. I'm going to, on the next episode, I think I'm going to do an overview of M-Space um, and talk about that'll probably be um, probably not later today, probably Friday, but I'll I'll sort of go over M-Space because I think it's pretty cool. And it's um, based on Mithras, but it's based on Mithras Imperative, so the combat system is uh, not as detailed um it's basically the the mithras imperative is sort of the core roll under d100 thing without any of the special combat rules or some of the special some of the other special case rules um and aim space looks pretty cool so i will have to talk about it all right um i think that's going to be it for me let's get to the outro all right. Hope you enjoyed that discussion of Dragon Heresy. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. I'm excited to play more of it. Um, yeah. Hit me up on Twitter at Cows from Powis. Hit me up here on Anchor at Live from Pelham's Wasteland. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been Live from Pelham's Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.